This is Let's Talk to Lucy, starring Lucille Ball. A very warm welcome to you all. I'm Gary Morton, and now, let's talk to Lucy. Hi, this is Lucy. I wish you joined with millions of Americans in paying tribute to the youth of our nation this week. This is Youth Appreciation Week, an annual observance sponsored by the Optimist Clubs to call attention to the accomplishments of our many worthwhile young people. In April of this year, our president recognized a group of youngsters in their early teens, each of whom had saved the life of another youngster in the course of his duties as a school safety patrol boy. Also in April of this year, in a major metropolitan city, a gang of teenage hoodlums made an unprovoked attack on two college students. One of the students was stabbed to death. What is becoming of today's kids? was a question repeated by people discussing the fatal stabbing. Now this is a question many of us ask every time we see or read of young people getting into trouble. But why don't we ask the same question when we hear the story of a school patrol boy dashing into the street to pull a first grader from the path of an oncoming truck, or when a boy scout performs an act of heroism, or when a high school student is named to the National Honor Society. We should talk about the positive things done by today's youth. Violence committed by a few does not mean that the kids of today are a bunch of hoodlums. Let's all participate in Youth Appreciation Week. Let's give a pat on the back to that great majority of our youth who are good citizens and doing a commendable job of the difficult task of growing up. Let's give recognition to our outstanding young citizens. And while we can't and shouldn't ignore the 5% who are troublemakers, let's take them for just what they are, a troublemaking minority. I'm going to read a couple of letters I've received from listeners on the subject of teenagers. Now, this first letter is from Mrs. Carolyn Gorka of Northridge, California, and she says, Hooray and three cheers. I have just read that you are planning to devote some of your radio shows to youth. Interviews with celebrated personalities are always interesting, but I have such a passion to see women like you who have won the affection of the American public use television and radio as a means of attaining something far above entertainment alone, which is also important in this world of tensions and pressures. I agree wholly that youth really needs a purpose, an example, and parents who care enough. There are young people today who have found direction, have a real sense of right and wrong, and are wonderfully responsive to the right lead. I sure hope some of them can be interviewed on your program and given the chance to let the adults who make up the majority of your audience know how eager they are to be responsible citizens and how much they look to the adults who are willing to live what they constantly preach, chastity, honesty, and loyalty to family. Best wishes, Lucy, for success in your new venture. Many of us will be grateful if out of it comes not only a closer touch with many of the men and women who have given so much of their talent, but also one more way of reaching out to the youth of America and offering them a challenge to live by so that our country may be strong and worthy of the trust and respect of the whole world. So much depends on what America does in the next 10 years. Carolyn, you are so right. 
So much does depend on what America does in the next 10 years. And thank you for expressing your thoughts on the subject. It is important for youngsters to know that there are many people like you who care. The next letter from uh, Eleanor Garabedian of Kingsburg, California, expresses appreciation for understanding parents and clearly shows the role they can play in molding our youth into the responsible parents and citizens of the next generation. Here's what she says. Dear Lucy, you asked for letters discussing the problems of raising teenagers and how they could be solved. Perhaps I'm not qualified to even be writing this letter since I am not raising teenagers. Instead, I'm a young mother with a year-old baby, but I was a teenager only a couple of years ago, and I just wanted to send some suggestions. As a teenager, I never had the problems that many do. My parents were always available to me. They never put me off for something more important. And they gave us credit for having intelligence. They were also firm and disciplinary. They never let us do anything that was immoral, unsafe, or detrimental to our emotional stability. And yet we had great freedom of mind and spirit. Our parents trusted our judgment because they showed good judgment in their own lives. Now, that isn't to say we didn't make mistakes. We did. But all they expected of us was to learn by them. Don't worry, we got our share of being yelled at. But on the whole, we found fulfillment at home without having to grab at every chance on the outside so that we, we were really prepared as adults to choose decent and very happy lives for ourselves. And we weren't a stuffy family. My father had a gift for making people laugh, and both my parents had a deep understanding of the needs of each child. Above all, you cannot give your children too much love, and to enjoy them, really enjoy them, means not only happiness for them, but for the parents, too. I might conclude by saying that teenagers do not need the affection of the opposite sex as much as many think they do until they are prepared for it. Well, Eleanor, for a young lady who was a teenager just a couple of years ago, I think your letter is a wonderful example of how understanding parents play an important role in the guidance of their children. In my mail this morning, I found a very nice letter from Mrs. Lorena McDowell from San Antonio, Texas. And in her letter, she sent me a copy of a child's bill of rights, which I find very interesting. So interesting, I want to share them with you. Mrs. McDowell has saved this clipping from a 1955 issue of Woman's Day magazine. It was written by Miss Dorothy Blake. Miss Blake has assembled what I think are very worthwhile reminders for all of us. And here it is. A Child's Bill of Rights. Article 1. His right to have his confidence kept when he has given it in good faith. Article 2. His right to his personal pride in being given common courtesy. Article 3. His right to have his questions and opinions treated seriously. Article 4. His right to reasonable freedom in the selection of his friends. Article 5. His right to his possessions. Article 6. His right to physical and mental privacy. Article 7, his right to have his choice respected when he has been asked to make one. 
Article 8, his right to a promise being kept. Article 9, his right to a share in family joys and sorrows. Article 10, his right to firm guidance in matters he is too inexperienced to puzzle out for himself. I think a child's Bill of Rights, if followed, could certainly bring about a healthier relationship between parent and child. What a nice idea, <laughs> a child's Bill of Rights. Thank you, Mrs. McDowell. Thanks very much for being with us today, and please keep writing. I enjoy your letters so much. Just address them to Let's Talk to Lucy, Desilu Studios, Hollywood, California. Bye now. Hi, this is Lucy. Last evening, we had some couples over for a get-together, sort of a backyard cookout. And the conversation, as usual, got around to our offspring and what a responsibility it is nowadays to do the right thing by our children, to prepare them for the, the future. And, well, I found that they sort of approved of something I have done with my children, and so I thought perhaps you too would be interested. It so happens that since my children were little, I have told them I wanted them to do certain things and or not do certain things because it would make them better wives, husbands, fathers, mothers, whichever sex I happen to be talking to at the moment. Like, for instance, to little Lucy, I always reminded her that the reason I thought she should, uh, oh, let's see, uh, learn to cook, for instance, was so she would make a better wife. And I did not approve of her bossing her brother every minute of his waking hours because it would more than likely make her a nagging, belittling wife. And right away from the tone of my voice, she knew that that wouldn't be good. And I have told little Desi if he's going to be a good father, he must be a well-educated, gentle-dealing man because he's going to have to make a lot of decisions. And I have also told him that if he wants to run a business... He must learn all ends of it, especially if he's going to be hiring people. I told him that he must learn well what they have to do before he can hire someone. And I tell him if he wants to have a family, he must plan for its health and its financial demands. He must learn how to save money. He must learn how to take care of himself. If he doesn't know how to take good care of himself, he can never take good care of a family. We've been playing family for some time. It's a habit we started when Lucy and Desi were little, and I'm happy to say that I do see results and a glimmer of adult responsibility at this age. And Desi's now 11 and Lucy is 13. In other words, the interest we have taken is now apparent in the interest they are taking. And we're hoping that the good habits instilled in them at an early age really does make them better parents when their time comes. Because after all, what, what better way to fit them for happiness within their own family? You know, another habit I tried early to instill in my children was their appreciation of nature. I did it by calling their attention to the sunsets, the mountains changing color at twilight, the, the blue of the ocean, the flowers and their intricate designs, a snowflake. Oh, they will never forget their first snowflake. And we really looked at it under a microscope, too. The brilliant colors in a, in a roaring fireplace, for instance, and the shape of icicles and the noise of the wind, the sound of the rain on the roof, the fireflies. 
course, we only saw those back east, but they never forgot those fireflies. The, the changing of the autumn leaves and the beautiful snowfalls, the silence of a snowfall. Thank goodness they are really aware of these things. I know because I can tell in their artwork that the message got through, and also their eagerness to accompany us on trips just to see these things, just to see the wild flowers or the snow or the trees in blossom. Yep, we travel miles to see these things. And you know, back east, you have to get there within a certain two-week period or all is gone. And two, we have home uh, movies. We are home movie enthusiasts. We have thousands of feet of beautiful home movies. And what a record it is to own. I value it, believe me. I value it above everything material we have. Because it starts way back with the children being taken home from the hospital a few days after birth. And we have a record of the day they first took their first steps and uh, a growing record right up to present day. You know, the kids may squawk a little at a certain age about looking at all that undressed cuteness, but deep down, they know they must be loved and mighty appreciated to have such a record kept. And I notice as soon as they get married, they can't wait to have their new mates see what cute babies they were. Did you ever notice the run on the family baby pictures about the middle of their first year? You know, once they think about babies of their own, they're so glad you kept that old photo album or home movie. I'm certainly glad that taking pictures has become a regular habit with us. It's given us many enjoyable and memorable moments. Say, Gary, speaking of habits, I'd like to ask you a question. Yes, Lucy? Did you do a lot of running when you were a kid? Did I? They had to trip me to get me into bed at night. Why do you ask? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just reading that more than half of our school children today do not get the minimum 15 minutes of vigorous exercise they need to be physically fit. And it seems to me that a good habit would be to see that they do. I know, Lucy. That's why the President's Council is offering free information on physical fitness programs for youngsters. Yes, and our listeners can get that information simply by writing to the President's Council on Physical Fitness, Washington, D.C., 20548. Meanwhile, we as parents can become a vital part of our children's physical fitness by encouraging him or her to take an active part in the school's physical education and athletic programs. In a recent newspaper article on the subject, it was pointed out that whenever possible, parents should make it a habit to participate with their children in some kind of sport. This sort of example also serves to bring the family together under pleasurable conditions where many times other problems can be solved. And now I think we have time to look at the mail. Here is an interesting letter from Mrs. Ethel Wood, who uh, coincidentally touches briefly on the subject of habits. She writes, Dear Lucy, I've certainly enjoyed your comments on teenagers and how other listeners with teenagers have helped them to adjust in today's fast-moving world. I was also pleasantly surprised to hear that many teenagers themselves have expressed their hopes and problems so intelligently. I have three youngsters of my own, and I have discovered some things in raising them that I would like to share with your listeners. At least they have worked for me, and it's simply this. I firmly believe that good habits developed during the preteen years have a very important carryover value when a child reaches his mid-teens. And a watchful parent 
can easily establish these habits without making them seem like just another chore or some form of punishment. First, children are followers, and if you as parents can set examples of neatness, courtesy, cooperation, and responsibility, much of this will rub off on your children. We have found, for example, that our efforts in getting children to pick up their rooms when they were small has stuck with them through the teen years, and that's a big help to a busy mother. We never expected them, as little ones, to act as adults, and we never screamed at them to do this or pick up that, but we made sort of a game out of many of the necessary chores, and they were rewarded in a sensible manner, with the result that today... Many of the good habits we started in the first grade are holding up throughout the high school years. I hope this doesn't all sound like oversimplification, but sometimes many things can be simple if you just take the time to do the things you feel are important. I think the next habit I like the most is courtesy, because many fine character traits developed in later years stem from an early acquaintance with the habit of courtesy. Again, example is an important factor in creating courteous habits. And it's not just for the children, but the entire family. I hate to sound old-fashioned, Lucy, but you put courtesy and neatness together, and I think you have a good foundation on which to build many good habits. Well, Mrs. Wood, thank you for a very lovely letter, and one which covers a number of thoughts many of our listeners have expressed. And you are so right about instilling those good habits at an early age, because I've seen it work in many, many cases. Well, that's about it for today. Bye now. Hi, this is Lucy. Twas the day before Christmas and all through the house. Every creature was stirring and purring and flitting about. Our three poodles, our crazy cat, and our pixelated parakeet were all in fine form and entering into the holiday spirit with gusto, when presto, who decides he should have another dog, a dog of his very own, our young son? The three little poodles, the crazy cat, the pixelated parakeet, all had different masters. Desi wanted a dog of his own, a big dog. So who are we to deny a boy that privilege? We can remember when we wanted the same thing. Of course, we can also remember the chaotic consequences of such a major move. The integration problems are too numerous to mention and were, of course, ignored, as we had ignored them at that age. No amount of persuasion could change Desi's mind. So we started on our trek to the nearest SPCA after warning Desi to be prepared to have his little heart broken. All those eager faces in cages just begging to be taken home. Takes a pretty strong youngster to go in, pick out an adorable mutt, and leave all in one piece. But he did it. And when he came out, he said, You were right, Mom, it does break your heart. But he picked a beauty, a healthy, beautiful, gentle, fun-loving male animal. A mixture of shepherd and collie, they said that had obviously had a good home and was more than willing to join another home. He's almost too smart. He opens doors, he plays ball with anything he can toss into the air, loves everybody, and has to kiss you right smack on the mouth to show his affection. The three poodles, all little females, 
are in hiding since his arrival, and the cat arched her back at first sight of the interloper and has remained in that traditional Halloween position. And now, instead of treading the floors and the carpets, she is permanently flying through the air, leaping from the top of something to something else. The dog's name was Rusty, they told us, but Desi insists on calling him Junior. So that is a bit confusing for our new boarder. Then to compound the fracture, it has rained from the moment we brought him home, but that did not stop him from making a mad dash all around our big backyard, slipping and sliding in all the puddles and mud he could find, then crashing up to us whenever we appeared, slathering us with all that black goop. He is so happy. Slap happy is the word, and Desi is so happy with him, we really can't get upset. One of Desi's reasons for wanting a dog of his very own was so the big joker could sleep in his room with him. So the first night we knew it was folly, but we put them together. Of course, Desi never slept a wink. The deliriously happy dog was in his bed, his head on the pillow and sleeping like a baby, and Desi was prowling the house looking for a place to lie down. In the morning, the dog was bounding all over the place and our son had to be propped up to eat his breakfast. Rusty, Jr., was eyeing the parakeet and the cat for his AM feast, so that made quite an on-guard gathering in the breakfast room until I got strong and loud and insisted Rusty, Jr., or whatever he was to be called, be ushered outside. Yes, in the rain. A little rain might dampen his ardor a bit. Of course, first we had to bring all the other animals into the house or have them in an hysterical state trying to hide from the jolly giant. We are still going around in animal circles here. It will take time to get our household back to anything resembling normal. But a boy is 11 but once, and who cares about mud all over the newly upholstered furniture? I do. But a promise made is a promise kept. So how come Desi has forgotten his promises already? Like, when I get my own dog, Mom, I won't have to watch so much television. And, uh... I won't want to go to the movies at all. And uh, I promise to feed him all by myself and keep him clean and try to teach him not to jump all over people. And of course I won't feed him at the table. He got around that one by feeding him under the table. He also decided to clean him up by putting him in the tub shower enclosure. And it was a question as to who was giving whom a bath. Desi had more soap and water on himself than he did on the dog, and the dog thought it was a fine time to wrestle. And I don't have to tell you what the bathroom looked like at the end of that aquacade. Oh, well, maybe if it would stop raining, everything would get back in shape. Maybe even the cat would lengthen out again. That high arch in her back must be getting tiresome by now. Say, speaking of the rain, I am beginning to think I am possibly related to an old Indian rainmaker. Wherever I tote my family and approximately 20 pieces of luggage these days, it rains. We planned for weeks for our Christmas vacation in the snow. We begged for reservations and finally were okayed for Squaw Valley and our big adventure. We flew into Reno and floated the rest of the way and stayed underwater for five days watching bridges being washed away, landslides, avalanches. We sat midst our forest of luggage in two small rooms at the lodge, unable to navigate the trek to the house we had rented. We also reminisced about last year in New Hampshire where we hit the mightiest blizzard recorded in 20 years. And then 
reluctantly, decided to try for reservations home. We finally got out of Squaw Valley, hit Beverly Hills, and I mean hit Beverly Hills. We had a tailwind whose middle name was Hurricane Nellie, I think. At our usually peaceful Beverly Hills home, we settled down to five days of more rain and the aforementioned Rusty Jr.'s homecoming. So, if any of you need rain in your vicinity, just let me know. I do believe I have rain-making powers yet untapped. Well, the Christmas vacation is well over, and the new year is off to a great start. The kids are back in school, and believe it or not, I am still opening Christmas cards in a few packages that must have gotten delayed somewhere in transit. But then people all over the world are still opening packages sent by many Americans who remembered them through care. As a matter of fact, Gary, don't we have a few words to say right here about care? That's right, Lucy. We mean Care Incorporated, the international voluntary relief agency that has provided food, medical assistance, educational aids, and tools for self-help to millions of people all over the world for almost 20 years. You know, at least half of the world's people go to bed hungry every night. Additional millions of people in underdeveloped, war-devastated, or disaster-stricken countries are desperately poor, illiterate, and disease-ridden because they lack the tools to improve their health, living standards, and productive capacities. CARE is truly a people-to-people -people program, and you can share and care by sending your contributions to CARE. C-A-R-E. And don't forget, Lucy, CARE's personal delivery means that the name and address of the contributing group or individual go with the gift so the recipients know its source. And that's how CARE makes friends, because people everywhere know it represents people acting out of simple human kindness without strings. By easing misery, building trust, CARE donors help create the world conditions vital to peace. That's right, Gary. And thank you for listening. Bye for now. Are you loving Let's Talk to Lucy? Then you have a real treat in store for you. A new episode is being released every week on the SXM app and wherever you listen to podcasts.